the first thing that you need to do is to catch up with the strategist to understand, well, what are your goals, what are your objectives, and what are you trying to achieve? Going one, going quiet, no, you're listening to The Property Pod. All right, guys, welcome back to The Property Pod, your weekly engagement into real estate here in the Hobart Marketplace. I'm your host, Aaron Horn, and I am joined by Patrick Berry for this very first part of the episode today. Welcome, Patrick Berry. It's a real mix of an episode this week. Isn't it? It's <laughs> kind of like a, um, it's like a guess who game or a bingo card of who's here, who's not here, who's, who's talking, who's not talking. Today we've got a very special guest, Drew Evans from Kaifu Property is going to be on the podcast, but while Drew's on the show, I won't be. And John will appear. Yeah, and John will show up in his chair. <laughs> so yeah, funnily enough, uh, just uh, getting everything and everyone's ducks in a line. It's a, it's a busy time for real estate, spring has sprung and um, things are going gangbusters. So yeah, John's out getting deals signed. Um, when well, we hope that's what he's doing because well, he hasn't turned out this morning. That's all right, it's all right, he's out doing things. Um yeah, when the recording was happening with Drew, I was um, off having a baby scan for my baby, which is due very soon. So coming up forward in the uh, property pod, you might be finding a bit of a rotating chair uh, scenario going on. There might be a bit of this, bit of that. So if you've got a favourite and they're not in, uh, don't blame me, blame the baby. But the good news is I'm here for the whole episode, guys. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here for the now and I'm here for the interview that was last week. Indeed. You're the backbone that holds it all together. So Drew uh, is a really interesting guy. Uh, we've connected with Drew through um, some other people and they've, they've mentioned, say, hey, Drew, be a really good guest on your um, podcast. What I might do is just literally cut straight to Pat asking Drew, Drew, tell us all about yourself. Sounds like a goer. All right, guys. Drew Evans from Kaifu Property. Oh, thanks for jumping on with us, Drew. Want to give us a, a quick rundown on a bit about your background and how you got into property development and how you create wealth at the moment. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I've got a bit of a, a longer story and I'll, I'll give you the shorter version, of course. Um, I've got a bit of a twang in my accent and uh, the reason behind that is I grew up in Zimbabwe, which uh, is mm. in Africa. For those of you who don't know, just above South Africa. Um, I was at boarding school at the time and uh, unfortunately my, uh, my old man got very badly beaten up uh, as a result of the land distribution, the regime, not to get all political. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, to that point. And, uh, and mum and dad said, Drew, you're not going back to school. Uh, your brother and sister and you are going to Australia. Pack your bags, we're off. So uh, in 2001, uh, we moved across to, uh, to Newcastle, Australia, and I guess from there, the rest is history. <laughs> um, I've always had a, a sort of entrepreneurial kind of vibe uh, to, to what I do, uh, and that's a big courtesy to my old man. Um, but I guess how my property sort of journey started was um, really by default. Um, I wasn't fortunate enough to be smart enough to get to university, to afford to be able to get me into university straight away. So uh, what happened was... Uh, yeah, I went to a business college um, and then the, I got credits to get into uni. Long story short, uh, my parents didn't have to pay the exorbitant international student fees. Yeah. Um, but when I did get to uni, uh, we kind of struck a deal where they said, hey, Drew, you've got a bunch of buddies that need accommodation. We want, want to invest in a property. Uh, you know, you make it happen. You look after the property and you get free rent. And, and that kind of sparked my interest in property because what we did... Uh, when I say we, my parents bankrolled it because I was, I was too young. <laughs> Go on. Uh, they, they bought a, a four-bedroom house. Uh, and then over the holidays, we converted it into a seven-bedroom house and mm. rented it out per room. So at the time, I think it was $110 or $130 per student per room. That included, uh, obviously, your, your rent, your board, the water, electricity, internet, uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, they did so well out of that through deposit cash flow, but then when they did another one, uh, and that kind of sparked my interest in, in property. Mm. Um, like you correctly said, John, there are a lot of um, sort of sharks in this industry, unfortunately. Mm. Um, and I guess my experience... I started by working for other people and it taught me exactly what not to do. Um, yeah. Now, I worked for Newcastle's biggest house and land developer. 
I then moved to Sydney and started working for the country's biggest education company in the property space. And uh, long story short, you know, I did my time there and I thought, hey, I can do this bigger and better myself. And uh, in 2015, I, I founded Kaifu Property. Um, during that time, I was pretty lucky because my property portfolio produced enough positive cash flow to allow me to quit my job, set up a company, and, and here we are eight or nine years later. So um, I guess my- I'm, I'm curious, how did you get into buying your first property? Like everyone that we talk to, you know, they love the idea of, of buying their first home and even more so love the idea of having a portfolio of investment properties. But a lot of people yeah. find it really hard to, you know, first get into the market, let alone step up and buy the second or the third and so on. So like how, do, how does one go about that, I guess? Yeah, and, and, and Patrick, it's a good question because the first one's always the hardest, right? And it's very cliche because you have to slave your way to get there. Mm. Uh, you know, in Australia, if you had a good income, you know, you pay a good amount of tax, you then got to live, you then got to save, and, and it's, it's a really tough gig. So, you know, I worked three different jobs, saved up the deposit. Um, I negotiated that the developer's commission was used as part of my uh, deposit. Um, oh, yeah. Creative, which, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Which kind of frustrated, right? It, it happened purely by default. Um, you know, now it's really tough. Like I've got two young kids and I honestly don't know how they're going to afford to get into the property market mm. as opposed to through the bank of mum and dad. Mm. Um, but, um, you know, if any of your listeners are struggling to save up a deposit, um, there's a really cool product now called the Family Guarantee Support Loan, which I don't know if you guys have heard about in Australia. Uh, we, we have heard about it um, through some of the finance people that we talk to, but yeah, we haven't really on the show delved into it in really much detail. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not allowed to talk about it in detail, but yeah, um, yeah. if I had my time again, uh, you know, would I slave my way to, to building up my first deposit? Probably just because I'm hardworking by nature. Yep. But the smarter way to do it is if you do have, um, you know, parents or family uh, that do have a lazy equity in their property, you can leverage off their equity and you can get it. Utilize it to get away. in. And then yeah. I guess the theory is that after a couple of years, when you've built some equity up, you can release your parents from that and go your own way. That is one of the best things about my company, how we help our clients is, you know, you can use your parents' equity initially to get you into the market. As soon as the project's completed, get it refinanced, give your folks the equity back. And then and, you're, and you're, you're on, on your way. Project. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really cool approach and a, a great way of doing it. And so from what I was lucky enough to listen to a couple of other podcasts you've done before we got on Zoom today and what I could understand from some of the other conversations you've had, you're more in the developing the project from start to finish aspect rather than going out and buying a finished product? Totally. I mean, my investment yeah. philosophy is to never invest the, the retail way. Like you always want to invest wholesale. Yeah. Uh, I, lo- I love that analogy. Yeah. Because that was a note I had too as, as wholesale investors and controlling the margin. I guess it's sort of what triggered me in that first um, you know, yeah. in- intro to you. I mean, that's, that's a good tagline. You, you get to control the margin, which is so true. Mm. Uh, I mean, if you buy, you buy an existing property, right? Not that there's anything wrong with that at all, but you think about it. A land developer's made money, a builder's made money, a developer's made money, a real estate agent's made money. And then I guess you're the guy at the end to purchase everybody else's capital growth. Mm. Um, whereas my investment philosophy is to try and control as much of that margin as possible on behalf of our clients. So our investment philosophy is to find opportunities that are essentially under market value that you can add value to through doing a small development, um, you know, whether that's a house or a duplex or a mutual subdivision. But at the end, you have an equity advantage already. So yeah. you have an option. You can A, either take profit off the table, which I don't always endorse, uh, or B, get the property revalued and use the equity you've generated to then roll into your next project. And keep um, moving, yeah. Because at the end of the day, the last thing you want to be is stuck, right? And unfortunately, that's the crazy stat. It's, it's something like five or 6% of investors get past three properties. Like it's, it's not a huge amount. And uh, 
realistically, when you're growing a property portfolio, it's all about understanding how you can get the finance to work first and then the property comes second. Yeah, and you're right with that because we have so we've we manage close to 920, 950 rentals here in our agency, oh, okay. and most of them, most of our bigger investors, they are two property investors. Like, there's not a huge amount; they have five or six in their portfolio. Like, they do well enough to buy the first one, refinance, get the second, but then they sort of hit a stalemate or hit a brick wall, and it's hard to get that next step. It always used to bug me, like, you know, you, I'd sit around and, you know, I love, um, you know, self-development and personal development and, and following very successful people. And it always used to bug me how, you know, some people get stuck at one or two investments, whilst you've got other people that have 10, 20, like, you know, I follow a guy pretty ridiculously, he's got under 250 properties. Mm. And you go, well, you know, he's no different to me. He just obviously knows something that I don't. Mm. How do I learn and how to do it? And uh, I'm a big, big believer of that is you should follow people that have achieved what you want to. You know, there's no point trying to make all the mistakes yourself and learn yourself when you can fast track um, your success, I guess. Well, mate, one of the things you, you, when you were chatting about your story before, it was uh, um, like investing with your ego. Uh, yeah. And, you know, could you expand on that a little bit? Because I know recently, I mean, I've, I've made that mistake um, just recently where um, I'd intended to do, you know, I'd bought a house with a capacity to, to strata at the back. Um, but, you know, getting into a new relationship, we're going to stay a little bit longer. I put in a way more expensive kitchen than I should have. Um, but also, too, and I remember chatting with a mate um, who's an architect, and I got a little bit excited by these different designs, which is just insane. Like, it was just I made all the, mate, all the wrong mistakes just following what I thought would be cool and with my ego. Um, yeah. is, is that what, – what, what, how can that be really prohibitive then, and how can you catch yourself to – while you're expanding oh, portfolio. Totally. Well, I've got, I've got two stories for you, John. Um, the first one, well, they're both embarrassing on my behalf. Who are you? Let's go tip for tat. <laughs> no, yeah. no. Um, the first one was, hey, my, my first development I did was uh, building two four-bedroom four homes with a mutual subdivision. And uh, the mistake I made is I got an architect involved, you know, redesigned the homes the way that I wanted them, not mm. the most best use of the block of land. Um, and the ego story there is I spent, you know, 45 grand or something like that on landscaping. Right? Yeah, and when right. the project was finished, you know, I put uh, wifey in the car, drove past and, hey, honey, look at me, I'm a developer. And it looked great. Jeep, as I tell you what, I, I wish I didn't take her down there three months after. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, huge waste. But when a tenant moves there, not so great. So yeah. for me, that was a, a learning lesson in developing is you can throw good money after bad mm. uh, and you can you can lose money by overcapitalizing. Mm. Um, the, the, the second not so good story is uh, a really good friend of mine um, used my company to help him develop a duplex. And, um, you know, he was talking with my team and my team recommended an area uh, to do a duplex. And the total acquisition price at the time was seven, 780 grand. Um, you know, so 800 all in after stamps and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, I drove out and I said, mate, listen, this place, it's, you know, it's very, very early in my head based on the demographic. It's like, dude, probably better places to invest. Long story short, he pulled the pin. And uh, to my, uh, yeah, I never hear the end of it every time we catch up. Mm. Uh, another client purchased the property, and uh, by the time the project was completed, each duplex half was worth six hundred and fifty grand aside. Oh so, shit! Uh, <laughs> it's only four hundred thousand dollar loss for that guy. <laughs> uh, five hundred grand, yeah. Yeah. Five hundred grand. So um, it's, it's always hard though, right? Because when you invest in property, it, it is so personal, and mm. it's not like you're going down to the pub and you're shouting your mates a couple of drinks. It's a big deal. Mm. Um, it's a lot of money that's involved. And as much as you try and say, hey, don't be emotional about it, um, it, it is a big decision. And that's one of my biggest lessons is, hey, um, you know, there's people that spend a lot of time, effort and resource, understand the fundamentals, understand the market, they do a better job than I do. Yeah. Um, you know, so sometimes you have to let the numbers do the talking. 
especially so, when it comes to developing. Um, so, what I've learned is cheap is cheap's not affordable, and it's cheap chips for a reason. Yeah. So talking about understanding the market and researching the market for a investor that's getting into it, like, is there some places that you would recommend that people can go to, to obtain this information? Obviously they're listening to us, so they're in the right space already, <laughs> but you know, there's, there's plenty of resources out there these days. Um, and look, as silly as it sounds like you can get property information these days from TikTok, just sitting there at night on your couch, but is there reliable sources that you should be probably spending time signing up to newsletters or research or, or places that it can give you the head start on where you should be looking into? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, my biggest advice is the biggest investment you should make is in yourself, right? It's in between these two, two things. So listen to your past podcasts, other people's podcasts. Uh, but when it comes to the type of research that we do, it's all fact and figure. Uh, it's not hearsay. It's not paid for by market commentators, which unfortunately a lot of uh, you know people out there give the sizzle on. And yeah. um, we start our research from the pie principle, which is pitched from a, um, a research company saying, hey, property investing should be as easy as pie. Um, where P starts for the population increase. So you want to be investing in areas that have a huge population growth. Hey, rules, how about I, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, always the infrastructure. So you want to make sure that lots of money is getting spent, both public and privately. Which is uh, interesting because Hobart ticks that box. So <laughs> we've got some of the biggest infrastructure projects on, in Australia underway at the moment. So it's interesting. It's super, yeah. I mean, great spot. Like the timing of Hobart is, uh, is maybe a little bit off, which we mm. spoke about earlier. But, um, you know, E is, is employment notes. You want to be close to jobs. Now, to be honest, guys, you can sit on the internet long enough and find the stuff. So we call those your macro drivers. Yep. You then come down a, a level and we talk about your micro drivers. And these are things like your days on market, your comparable sales. Mm. Not what a real estate agent gives you as an appraisal, but what's done, dusted, and settled through RP data. Yep. You've got the demographics, you've got the vacancy rates. Um, these are the things that, again, you can sit on the internet long enough and you can find them. Where I guess my company sort of takes it to a next level is, is focusing on the niche drivers. And the niche drivers are all around, well, how do you get the highest and best use for whatever you're developing? Classic example, if you find a block of dirt, are you better off developing an eight-bed, four-bar, two-car design duplex? Or based on the demographic, are you better off losing a bedroom to gain an extra garage space? So are you better off developing a six-bed, four-bar, four-car based on the demographic? Mm, right, yeah, that makes sense. Mm. You always want to make sure that you have the right strip frontage, have the right setbacks. You always want to make sure you can maximize the building pad. You then have to comply with all the design guidelines to make sure you get the minimum sunlight dial, um, sunlight hours in, in the backyard, yep. the right acoustics, the right basics. So there's a huge amount of things in developing that you need to know. Um, and unfortunately, investing a property with the strategy that I do, it can be very, very expensive if you get it wrong. And mm. uh, I guess that's why uh, I've got a business and we have a job. Because I guess what's so important in that point is, is something as simple as, and in one of the other stories you shared before was thinking that you bought a, um, a, a a land on a slight slope, which you thought would, nah, piece of cake, no drama. The only problem is, is that that, again, um, forces your hand in what you have to do and the cost that you need to just to get the same value. But the investment of building that greatly, you know, eats into your profit. Yeah, massively. So obviously, I mean, you can build on, uh, on a slope and block. You mm. just have to have a specific design. There's only a handful of builders that specialise in that style of construction. Um, but even if you do have a slightly sloping block after you've benched and retained, then it's extra cost to, you know, do a split level home. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got a drop edge beam, which you have to factor in. Everything when it comes to building has associated costs and these costs don't always replicate additional value. And retaining loss is a really good one, John. So um, I guess when you do your feasibility on any type of acquisition, 
um, the slope of the land is a massive factor that you need to take in. Yeah, and it's, so, I can guarantee it is something nobody thinks about and they go onto these building websites like Metricon and that and Metricon quote these prices – but then in the very fine print, it says on a level block of land. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> no, everything's sorted. Yeah, yeah so yeah. Um, it's – and you to – to the general person, you can even walk on a block of land and it seems relatively flat, but it's not yeah. until the levels are done by, you know, the surveyor and you realise, shit, this has actually got more fall than I realise. So, yeah. That, that's a really good tip for your listeners, right? Don't stand on the block. Always ask the solicitor for the contour plans. And tip of the day is the closer the squiggly lines are, the better. Good. Yeah, the <laughs> you, want them, you want them far away from each other. <laughs> Actually, I know I'm going to take uh, you know take a couple of steps back because you know going right into the weeds. But if you're the thought being, if you're you know you, you're trying to save up for that first deposit, and you look at a company and an opportunity like yours, and they think, oh, I'm just not at the level where I could gauge with a person like yourself. What would you say to some person is, look, mate, I just want to, I'm ready to start. Should I work with you first or should I wait? What, you know, what's your normal answer to a person beginning? Uh, well, to be honest, my answer is, hey, there's a hundred different ways to make money in property. There really is. It just comes down to what's your individual strategy. Now, developing is not for everyone, right? I, I know for me, it's the best strategy I know to fast track any results. Um, you know, I get reminded by my brother all the time. I have no idea how to swing a hammer. Like, honestly, I've yeah. read about my own house. And I've been in hospital twice already. So for me, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not a tradie. I, I can't renovate. Mm. Um, for somebody just starting out, it's getting clear in your mind, well, what do you do? You need to kind of begin with the end in mind and then formulate how you're best going to get there. Mm. Um, as we sort of mentioned before, is you need to understand property investing is a finance game initially. Uh, until you build up the borrowing capacity and the buying power, um, it's getting a clear idea of saying, hey, well, listen, what's my capacity today? And if I take on this property, whether it's a development, whether it's a house, a townhouse, a renovation project, doesn't matter. But is this project going to set me up or is it going to set me back for the one after that and the one after that? And I think as long as you always have in the back of your mind what's next, um, that's a really good sort of starting point. That makes sense. Because I suppose we're – so if we – so Pat and I, we're going to um, go in together and we're just um, – and we we're, we're, we're day one at your office – Mate, can you walk us through how you know what it is that you, what you do and what your company does? It, you know, well, it's not going to take up an hour because it's going to you know take forever while we scope sure. it out. But what, yeah. what's what's the journey you take us on? Yeah, sure. So the first thing we do is we'd have to understand well what's your finance capacity. Um, you know, I have an automatic equity program which there's a fee associated with it of of five thousand dollars. Now, I never want to take any money off anybody where I can't genuinely show you how I can add value to your bottom line. Yeah. And in the same respect, you have to show me that you can afford the types of opportunities that we have. That Otherwise, like, it's a waste of money for you and, and potentially a waste of time for the both of us. Mm -hmm. So we need to do that research and do that due diligence to see exactly what's possible. Uh, we then need to make sure that, hey, what my business does is in line with your goals. Uh, because if it's not, again, we, we're kind of wasting each other's time. But let's assume that you do have the finance capacity and you do want to come on board. The first thing you need to do is to catch up with the strategist to understand, well, what are your goals, what are your objectives, and what are you trying to achieve? Now, that has implications in relation to, well, what type of finance do you need to get? What type of deposit do you need to put down? What is your purchasing entity detail? Mm. Are you going to hold a project for the long term where you're better off maximizing the tax advantages by having it in your own name? Or are you going to buy, develop, sell, and trade your way up to get a bigger deposit? And if that's the case, maybe investing in a company is a better structure for you yeah. because you get your tax rate capped at 30%, you can claim the margin scheme, and so on and so on. Now, it's pretty in-depth, but again, it's a case of you need to think twice, cut once, get on the same page with exactly what's possible. Once you know your strategy, you know the game plan, then it's a case of working with our property guys to figure out, well, 
which is the best market, which is the best opportunity, and which is the best project to fulfill that. Mm. Um, one of my favorite strategies at the moment now is, is building a development pipeline where essentially you, you try and control as many developments as you can without necessarily having to pay for more at once. And again, this isn't to, to big head myself or brag or come across like a douchebag, uh, but people, people can relate to it. Um, I've got 10 projects in my pipeline now. Of the 10, six are either settled in council or under construction. Then in two months, I settle another two projects. And then in June of next year, I settle another two. So my investment velocity now is to always have a rolling pipeline of 10 um, because for me, that's the way that I've identified opportunities to generate big chunks of capital in a relatively, relatively short amount of time. But obviously, you know, it, you, you've been able to build up to that level, of course, um, and, you know, going back to, you know, the, the finance, the, you know, the potential. So I guess in that sense then from, um, you know, with Pat and I being clients, there's no reason why we can't get to that stage. But it's that first step is that don't expect you're going to be doing a 20-unit development um, from day one. Um, and you, and so in your, with, with your business, is that um, we, okay, we've, we've done our first project and finished. Uh, are we, I mean, and then Pat and I, we're based in Tassie. Yes, we're real estate agents, but we're not going to pretend that we know more than we do. Um, are we effectively able to say to you, mate, okay, uh, we've just finished, we've just closed off on the next one. We want to, you know, we want to double. Can, is it almost a point where um, you know your stuff and we don't? We'll just say, we're the, actually, I'll flip it. We're the guys with the hammer. We have no idea what to do. We're in the wrong state. Can we just hand you hand it over to you and you take over? Is that the point? Or do we consult all the way through? Uh, John, yes and no. Um, you know, my, my advice to everybody is, hey, listen, even though it's my company, it's my brand, it's my reputation, I'm super comfortable and confident in everything that my team does. Um, at the end of the day, it's, it's your money that you're investing. So you guys have to be comfortable, right? Um, I don't have the crystal ball. I don't know what's going to happen into the future. Um, but I, what I do know is that every property we, we source and secure has an instant equity advantage at, at the time of acquisition, right? So if the market does drop like we're experiencing at the moment now, it has to drop by that initial level of uplift for the property to be worth what you've actually paid for it right from get-go. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the reason I say yes and no is, honestly, I've got a lot of clients that are time poor professionals. They're super switched on. They earn good money. They just don't have the time, the skills, the experience, or the industry contacts to bring it all together. And I guess once we spend a bit of time uh, getting to know each other, they understand our business model, they understand how we work. Drew, you guys are the experts. You and your team, please go ahead and do it. Let me know what I need to do. Like now, that's the one extreme. Yeah. And the other extreme, obviously, we've got clients that go, hey, listen, I'm really interested in this stuff. I really want to understand what's the behind the scenes. How does it work? How do you have pre-council logic meetings? How do you deal with independent town planners? What are some of the other consultants that we need to do in order to get the development across the line? So it's kind of this broad spectrum where my company, it's not an education company where you pay a, a stupid amount of money to become a client, yeah, overpriced yeah. bootcamp seminar, and then you get flogged a you know, 30 day course, but you naturally get educated uh, by dealing with my team one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Uh, and obviously the theory is for us, if we can help you make as much money as possible in your first acquisition, it's an absolute no brainer to come back to us. Mm, to do a second one. Yeah. I love that too, because it's just, look, yes, you're going to, um, that how we earn money is through you, you investing with us, but we're not just flogging you off some crap course and now go do it yourself. Because you know, what's that thing where the most dangerous spot to be in is to um, you know not know what you don't know. Um, and that will now what's that saying? Is that you know for me it's when you when you think you know more than you do or you're too smart. I guess I guess those my thought those courses just make set yourself up feeling like you're an expert, but you still don't have any of the connections. You still don't have any experience. 
And so the thing is, that if you align yourself with your company, it's like, well, we'll still educate you, but we're doing the work at the same time. So we're both in it to make a profit at this point. Your profit isn't made just by flogging them off some course and then just kicking them to the curb. Mm. And I say this without coming across the wrong way. We know the merits of the projects that we do. It's only a matter of time before somebody does them. But one way or another, they're going to get done. So I guess I, I have a very long-term view in business and I'm a very, uh, I guess, long-term relationship-based kind of guy because I know that if you get the results from a company, your first project and you have a bloody good experience, not only are you going to get your second, third, fourth and fifth, but you're going to tell all your family and friends. And uh, and that's how, you know, I guess the, the company that I've got is going from strength to strength to strength, mm. even in these times. Uh, because of the brand values that we do have. Um, you know, I don't have a vested interest in, in selling you a property and then you never hear from me again. Yeah. Uh, what I've learned is, you know, your your word is your bond and your, you know, your bond is everything. So what did Warren Buffett say? It takes a lifetime to build a reputation and only one or two bad decisions to ruin it. And, uh, you know, when I, uh, when I talk to clients, and this is a, a bit off topic, but uh, I say, hey, listen, if I ever meet you in a pub, I want to make sure that you're buying me shots, you're not glassing me. <laughs> Good, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, mate, um, so I'm not, we're not really mindful of your time. I mean, if someone's going to um, reach out and engage with you, what's the best way for them to get in contact and what should they, what should they do? Yeah, totally. So, I mean, the best way for clients to, to sort of start following what we do is just jump on Instagram, jump on Facebook. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out TikTok. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, oh, no. You've got a, a job ad up for a 12-year-old at the moment because uh, I can't figure it out. But, um, yeah, jump on any of the socials, you know, shoot us a DM, jump on our website. Um, it starts by getting educated, see what we do. Uh, we're not for everyone, but um, I tell you what, if you are looking at a done for you solution with wholesale uh, property development, um, you know, I think the that my company is uh, one of the best that there is. Mate, thanks so much. I reckon it's sort of been a bit of an overview today. We'd love to have you back on the go for a couple of deep dives on different parts of that process in the future, if that's all right. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, now uh, we'll do another time, but. Uh, in these times, my strategy works incredibly well, especially with the duplex environment where, uh, you know, you get into a duplex, you hold the project, it goes up in value. And if cash flow becomes tough because of interest rate rises, the beauty of the strategy is you can sell one and you can keep one, use the money you make on the, the sale of the first one to pay down the debt on the other one. Yeah. And uh, I've got a live client example that did just that. And he made you know, over 250 grand on the sale, used the profit, pay down the debt on the one that he owns. Yeah. And now he generates a 15.2% return on his debt. So I uh, would like to tell you more about that. Well, it's, 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 it's such a good timing too, because Laurie, one of our other agents, was chatting to me about it was just a small little two-bedroom unit that we've got uh, for sale. And, you know, it just, you just said, oh, the, the returns that you used to be able to just do in Tasmania by buying and holding, they're just gone. So really the only way to build that extra yield and that return is, is, is exactly what you just said. And I think it was actually from listening to your interviews that sort of led me to have that conversation with a sales agent to say, well, if that's what the investor's doing, those ships, that ship's gone. They need to find a different strategy. So th thanks so much for being a part of this, mate. That's great. No worries. Yeah, good to chat you guys. Well, thank you very much and enjoy that game of golf you're heading off to. It looks pretty good up there. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't tell everyone that, but yeah, I'll do. Thank you. <laughs> All right, thanks, Heath Drew. We really appreciate it. Okay, cheers, guys. Thanks. Have a good one. See ya.
you have been listening to The Property Pod, recorded and edited by 414 Media House in conjunction with 414 Property Code. This podcast is general information only and the thoughts and views expressed is the opinion of our panel and listeners should always seek then use their own investigation into any topic we discuss to ensure they fully understand their own situation. It does not constitute and should not be relied on as purchasing, selling, financial or investment advice or recommendations expressed or implied and it should not be used as an invitation to take up any agent or investment services. No investment decision or activity should be undertaken on the basis of this information without first seeking qualified and professional advice.